I want you to know we stood in support of every song you, you brought out. Uh, before we begin this uh, beautiful day, we did receive a card. It's a thank you card. I want to read it to you. Uh, Dear Grace Missionary Baptist Church, we wanted to thank you for everything you did for uh, for Joyma. She loved her, ch- uh, her church and all the people that made up the church. We will never forget everything that you did for her. The, Chris- the Christmas basket, the calls, the Christmas basket, the calls, the gift certificates, all the people coming to her visitation on that cold winter night. She thought about you and talked about how much she loved all of you. Although our hearts are broken, we know she is in a better place. Thanks for all your prayers for her and us, Gary, Sue, and Jennifer. And, of course, as you know, Sister Dreamer passed away a while back, and we're getting the, the, the card now, and so I wanted to make sure that everyone knew uh, about the card. Let's take our Bibles, and let's go ahead, and let's turn to Genesis chapter 3. I want to say Happy Mother's Day to you. And, uh, you know, the thing is, when you're a, a preacher, you look for ways to really enjoy not only the holidays, which I really do, but uh, the special days that don't get a lot of fanfare. Now, I don't know about you, but this, this holiday that we call it Mother's Day is really taking a pounding right now. Uh, I don't know how many of you all know this, but uh, there is a push to uh, make you all from mother to birthing unit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they've they got a smile out of Jessica. No, I'm going to put this out to you. There has never been a man that has ever given birth to a child. I don't care uh, what you might see on TV, it doesn't happen. And in fact, I will tell you that there's a lot of people that they're trying to do away with mothers, you know, in so many ways. I I appreciate what Greg said. Uh, We have a great respect for our godly women, for godly mothers. And for those of you who knew that my mother, she was um, one of a kind. She really is. And uh, it's funny. Uh, there's little bits and pieces of my mother that I see in my aunts, whether it's Ida Ruth or Mary or Bertie or any one of them. When I get to associate with them, and matter of fact, I made a statement to uh, uh, Ida Ruth the other day, and I said that, yeah, I see a lot of mom's actions in Bertie. She goes, I don't see how that's possible. Bertie never did live that much with mom. She said, I'm more like mother. And I realized right then and there, I better get away from that subject right away or I was going to be in trouble. But the reality is, is that godly motherhood is something that we should always think about, not only in the back of our minds, but in the forefront as well. And I see so many women that they think of themselves more than they think of their own children. Uh, I, I deal with situations all the time. And matter of fact, when it comes time for uh, weddings, I, I like to give counseling before I ever perform a wedding. And even then, uh, half the weddings that I have performed, they have ended in failure, if you will. But the reality is, is that whenever you do a wedding, you really want to sit down and talk to both individuals, the man and the woman, and find out what's going on. I'll give you a case in point. Many years ago, I did a, a counseling with a young lady, and she was just enthroned. She was ready to be wedded to this man. I, for this reason, I still don't know. And uh, he was just disconnected, just completely disconnected. And finally, when the time came, uh, I gave him their assignment. And I said, now your assignment will be go grocery shopping together. 
And I know that sounds like a simple assignment, but let's put it this way. When you're going down the aisles, first of all, you create a, a shopping list, but then when you go down the aisles, you find out a little bit more about the things that they like or dislike. I mean, every shopping list can be very basic. Well, when they got back, I noticed one thing about their shopping list. It was exactly what I told them to look for. Nothing added, nothing changed. And I asked this lady, I said, did you both go to the shopping together? And she said, well, no, he didn't have time. I said, so while you went shopping, what did he do? Her answer, he played video games. I will tell you this, is that cell phones have a greater demise on, in our society than most people realize. Uh, children from the age of one year of age are already holding uh, an iPhone in their hand, and their creativity has not even been challenged. You know, and I love creativity. I love the things that goes on in engineering and things of this nature. But as I begin to think about it and listening to her and talking with her, and then I asked him why he didn't have it. He goes, well, I, I was just going to be busy. I said, you mean to tell me the video games are going to be more important than spending time with this woman that you want to marry? And at the very end of it, after a lot more discussion, I said, you're not ready to get married. And man, he suddenly came to life right then. He goes, what do you mean we're not ready to get married? I said, you're not ready to get married. You're not ready to get married. I said, because you have not taken any interest in her, but you expect her to take interest in you. In fact, let me just point this out to you. We're going to go down to verse 20, and I want you to see something that's very interesting. And we're going to just read one verse today as we get started. And it said, and Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Now that doesn't mean all living creatures. In fact, when you go back to it, just to show you what we're speaking of, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And it said, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the reference is, is with Eve being called the mother of all living, it goes back to Genesis 2, verse 7. There is where all the living began. With God, now through the woman, was going to be the vessel that is there. And I want us to take today, and I really appreciate Brother Joe reading uh, from Proverbs chapter 31 about the uh, virtuous woman and everything that's there. The reality is, is that as we go into uh, motherhood, I want us to look at the things that Eve experienced as a mother and what she passed down. And men, it would do us good to really understand the reality that a woman has versus what we think a woman should have. Now, I want to repeat that. We should understand what a woman desires, what she wants, what's in that woman, what makes up that woman, and not just what men think that a woman should have. In reality, as we look at some of the things that Eve said, we're going to see a little bit more about the complications that are or the complicated creature that we call the mother. Let us begin by going to the Lord in prayer. Again, Father, we want to thank you for your goodness, and I pray that, Father, that you will help us in our studies today. Again, I thank you for all the things that are there, and again, I just pray that you will help me to understand the things that you give us. Lord, there is no perfection in any man upon this earth, and even when we study the scriptures, we only come to a certain aspect of it and try to make an understanding of that. But Lord, as you have laid it upon my heart to study Eve and the things that are in her life, 
I pray that we might also understand the things that you have for us, that we might make this a very blessed and very wonderful day. So guide us and lead us, watch over us in all things, for it's in Christ we pray. Amen. As we begin today, I want to show you a couple of things that are very important to me. And what we're going to be doing is, we're going to be looking at the words that Eve spoke. And so in doing so, we are talking about the right of motherhood. Now, I want to begin by going to, Matt, or to Genesis chapter 3, and we're going to go down to verse 16. And notice what it says in regards to the Lord God in reference to Eve. So ladies, man, matter of fact, sometimes when Greg and I are out working, he'll, he just, he'll make a statement like, well, let's blame Adam, let's blame Adam, let's blame Adam. Because Adam did bring sin upon this earth. And we can, even in a, in a place like this where we want to worship God freely and to make it as beautiful as we can, we still are falling greatly short of the things that God would have for us. There's no way in this flesh we can ever have godly perfection, mainly because we are always dealing with the things of the flesh. We can have checks and balances. We can have everything under the sun to try to keep us in, in check. But even that can be a failure because we can find a way around the things that we want. But look what it says in verse 16. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In other words, the sorrow in giving birth to a baby. Do you realize that the term travail, there's only two times that we see it. First of all, when a woman travails in childbirth, means that she is this close to dying herself as she gives that birth to the baby. She is giving everything she has, you know, to bring that baby into this world. Those contractions can cause a woman to go from the sweet, beautiful, innocent woman we know to a mean, corrupted creature. Uh, I, I heard words out of my own wife, you know, many years ago. She goes, she said things that I just knew that Satan had entered into her body, you know, at that very moment when she gave birth. But the reality is, that's what birth is all about. It's a sorrowful condition. It's a terrible condition. And many women have died in childbirth, including one of the creatures that we uh, are studying, Rachel, later on with Jacob. She gave birth to Benjamin. She wanted to call him Benomai, which is the son of my sorrow. And Jacob said, no, his name shall be Benjamin, which is son of my right hand. And she died in childbirth for giving birth to this one child. That's how much a motherhood should mean. But again, there is the desire of conception. In other words, the sexual desire. I can't explain the sexual desire, and, and we have seen it corrupted so much in our movies and our TV and our internet, things like that. It's really corruptible. The sad thing is, is that we are allowing the abased nature of man to have his own way instead of loving the woman that God has brought into our lives. But look what else it says. And sorrow, and sorrow shall thou, let me say it again, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. There's two things that are there. Number one, the sexual desire. Now, I know that we are trying, we're seeing so much in our life, and I will say this, let me, let me prelude this. My sermon today is very politically incorrect. I want you to know that. My sermon today does not even go near political correctness. 
because the fact is is that what we are now seeing in America as quote unquote politically correct is politically corrupt. I, I don't know if you heard this, but in California, they're now voting to give $1.3 million to every black family that is in America. I don't have a problem with giving money to people. Don't get me wrong. But you can never repair the atrocities of the past by trying to make it work today. It's not going to happen. And here's the sad part. Here's the even sadder part. California never had slaves. And if you don't blame me, go read the Civil War Diaries. I mean, I would recommend that. But here's the other part. We are now making women think you don't need men. It, it started all the way back many, many years ago. But how many of us remember when Hillary Clinton made the statement, she said, uh, to the effect that it doesn't take just a family or a woman and a man to raise a child. It takes a community. I've got news for you folks. If a mother and father are not connected to their children that they bring to this life, then either will anyone else bring them into this life with greater love and care for that child. I love it when I get to talk to my grandkids. I love it when I get an opportunity to talk uh, to others that are around about me with their children. When Will and Grace are here, I just want to be able to play with them as much as I can until my energies wear out. But here's the fact of the matter. We need to train up a situation that there's there. Now watch this. It also says that there is a desire that shall be to the husband, a sexual desire, but also a desire that we have to keep in check. The desire is for that woman to want to be more. Let me just say this. There is nothing in Scripture that ever teaches us that a woman can be the pastor of a church. Go look at the qualifications. Go look at, go look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 2. You will never see anything that is there. Matter of fact, I said Titus 2. It's Titus 1. The reality is, is you will never see anything in the Scripture that will give a woman permission to be the pastor of the church. But what do we see all over the place? Women want to observe... some leadership to say, well, you may make my wife obey me. No, it's not the responsibility. If you want to have that, that purity, then you've got to start with the right example of what's going to be there. You know, it's like this. Women taught men how to be men. Men also have a responsibility to teach young women how to be women. It is said that a woman learns to love through the dad, and men learn how to love a woman through the mom. 
I, you know, I wrote it down in my little piece this morning that's in the bulletin, how that the things that my mother did were amazing to me. She loved us. I mean, let's put it this way. She loved us. Men are, I don't know how many of y'all remember this, but years ago we made salt maps. And we had to, before there was the, the, the PowerPoint or anything else, we made salt maps. If you've never made one, Lord bless you. Anyway, but the reality is, is that we, we had food coloring. We had all these salt maps. I made one of the solar system. I made one of the United States. I had salt maps all over the place, and I carried those things gingerly into the school so that everybody would be uh, ooh and awe. But the amount of work that my mother put into those salt maps was amazing to me. And yet she would be right there beside me, showing me all along the way how it needed to be done. I was not the best student when I was growing up. Man, I, I would rather be out playing. I'd rather be out helping Dad. I would want to do anything but schoolwork. And yet, Mom made sure that I told the line, and I have a love of study today because of my mother. And that's the absolute truth. In many ways, I wanted to be just like Dad, but I found out that the influence of my mother had the greatest impact upon me. My love of music came from my mother, not from my father. Dad loved to hear us sing. But my mom's own desire to help have us sing with her was something that was remarkable. But let's go down to verse 16 again. And it says, And he shall rule over thee. Do you know why we're having such a problem in our world today? Men don't want to be men, and women don't want to be women. I, I saw this the other day about, uh, and, and again, you know, when they allow the transgender men, quote-unquote, to compete against other women and now declare himself victorious, I thought, where is our country going to that we're allowing this kind of garbage around us? Well, we're allowing this stuff to happen because men don't want to see their own failures. I'm not the best at everything. I'm learning every day. Even at my age, I'm learning every day. But the things that I know to do, God has helped me with. And the reality is, is that if a woman is going to be the kind of woman that God wants in our life and in our lives, then there should be something precious for her to see as well. If we follow God's plan, it will always be a perfect plan. All right. With that, and that's just the opening. All right. So let's go ahead and let's take a look at a few things. In Genesis chapter 3, going to verse 1, we see that there is the, the statements made by Eve. And I want you to see the first ones that we see here. In verse 1 down to verse 3, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. This is the st first statement that we see that Eve makes in the scripture. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it. He did not say those exact words. God never did say, You can't touch that tree. The reality is, is that it was only eat. Look in Genesis 2, verse 17, you can see exactly what was there. However, when God gave the command not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, that was given to Adam. And Adam, he was carrying on the message of her husband. 
The first sin that came into place was when Adam also ate of the fruit. Well, the reality is, when we take a look at it, we find Timothy, hold your place here. And in 2 Timothy, as I stated, this is not a politically correct sermon, and it may be audited, and we may lose our Facebook privileges because of it. But in but in 2 Timothy, or excuse me, 1 Timothy, let me get over here, chapter 2, and let's go down to verse 11. Notice what it says in regards to this. Let the woman learn in silence with all subjections. Now let me ask you, is that not scripture? I've had women come up to me and go, you know, the Apostle Paul no, he had nothing against women. This was actually carried on from the responsibility that God gave to Judaism as well. He said, let the women learn, learn in silence. So verse 12, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor you absurd authority over the man. The man. What constitutes a man? Anyone that's over 12 years of age. And so the moment that a man comes into place, then you begin to see that there's a responsibility of other men teaching men how that they should act. Once again, let's go ahead and let's see what else it says. But to be in silence. Women can teach other women. They can teach, uh, you know, either little boys and little girls, but no, no further. For Adam was the first form, then Eve. But Adam was not deceived. Why did Paul write those words? Why did he write that Adam wasn't deceived? That's because Adam had to make a choice. And we're going to see that here in just a moment. But it was the woman being deceived was in the transgression. In other words, the woman over here in Genesis chapter 3, she ate of the fruit she had no business eating thereof. And now Adam was going to have to make a decision. Do you realize that Satan knows exactly how to approach each and every one of us? He knew that this woman, this, this one that was created, the one that was, we would later on see the name of Eve, that there was something special about her. But there was also... So... Um, it is once said that if you want to hide money, hide it in such a place and then tell a woman not to go find it and she'll find it. Why? Because you now have left the challenge that is there. But at the same time, I know men are the same way. But look what it says in verse 4 of Genesis chapter 3. And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Is that not a lie? Is that not a lie? It is and it isn't. Because do you realize that until God gave the sentence of death back to Adam and Eve, it was not going to occur. And it wasn't until their, both of their eyes were open that it would happen. Look at verse 5. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and your eyes shall be as God's, knowing good and evil. Look at verse 6. This is the one that really gets me. And when the woman saw the tree was good for food, did God say at any time it wasn't good to eat? Did God say you're going to die immediately if you eat of this fruit? God never said any of that. But when you take a look at it, she saw that it was pleasant 
pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise. And she took the fruit of thereof and did eat, and she gave it to her husband. Now I want you to see this. Adam, according to First Timothy chapter 2, looked at the fruit that was now in his hand, and he had to make a decision. Do I believe God, or do I follow after the woman? No amount of pressure was ever placed upon Adam. We don't read anything like that. But Adam had to consider it in himself. Why? video games or anything else. And one of the things that really bothers me is men walk away from their marriages and they will turn around and they will think, well, I'm doing a good thing. You might be doing a good thing, but if your wife's not in it, you're not. Listen to me. Many years ago, I had a missionary in my home, and one of the things that he stated to me is, he said, if God calls you to a foreign land, and you really believe that God is going to send you there, and yet your wife doesn't feel like you should go, And I said, well, if God's telling me to go, then I guess I'm going to have to go. He goes, and God would divide the flesh that way? That's an interesting statement, isn't it? Do you realize that at the end of Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and they shall and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. One. So in reality is, is that when a man is called to go to location, if his wife is not in it, then they should not go. I'm sorry, but that's just the way Scripture is written. And reality is, is that here you have Adam, and he was there to protect his wife, and she did not listen. She went off. And Adam should have reined her back in, but Adam didn't. I don't know why. I wasn't there. Someday I shall ask God about this. But do you realize at that moment, Adam had a decision, and he took of the fruit, and he ate along with her. That's pretty devastating. Suddenly their eyes were open, and it was not the woman's fault, but I'm going to show you in just a little bit, she blamed herself for it. Let's go on and let's see what we've got. The next thing that we see in the second statement that was made is in verse 13. And it says, And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent, the second part that she find that the woman did speak, And the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Now what she said is absolutely true. The serpent convinced her that she should eat of the fruit. And so whether it was right or wrong, she ate of the fruit. But that kind of leads me to understand one other thing about this. Let's go to 2 Timothy. This is why I was looking for that. In 2 Timothy, let's go to chapter 3 and look at verse 1. Once again, here is Paul writing to Timothy about why we have to have all of these things in the place. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Wow, this is about the last days? Yes, it is. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. <laughs> By the way, I think it's so funny. Uh, every, everywhere you go, there's always a TV commercial 
Years ago, they had high karate. How many of you all remember that? Remember that, Brother Joe? Did you wear high karate? No, never mind. Anyway, you had English leather, you had Old Spice. Old Spice is the only one that, that survived. And if you put a little high karate on, women would not be able to stay away from you. Now they've got some other junkets out there. But men are just as, just as vain as anyone upon this planet. And I've seen men that they'll prep themselves, they'll shave themselves, they'll get themselves looking just super nice. But notice again, they shall love themselves and they're covetous boasters. I had a man that not too long ago, he said, oh yeah, I'm an electrician. I'm really a good electrician. First electrical job I gave him, he couldn't even understand how to do it. Proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affections, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce despisers of those that are good, traitors and heady, high-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. Watch this next verse. For all this sort of they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women Laden with sins, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why did I point out verse 6? Do you realize over here in Genesis chapter 3, the way that Satan was able to convince Eve was he led her down a primrose path. It's silly now to look at this and say, but why didn't she believe her husband? What was it about her husband that she should believe? I've known women that they have followed along sillyly and they'll watch whatever's on TV that it's alright to have an affair. And yet here comes this strong, handsome man and he will bring it into power. There will be these men that will suddenly make it sound like everything is just wonderful if you will just have relations with me. Many years ago, I, I was asked to preach at a Bible conference a strange topic. And the topic was how that we are to still advance the things of God in this sexually present age. And I'm going to stop there for a second. Do you realize that we are being asked to present the things of God when sex is ever on the mindset of other people? Well, we just said the three-letter word. And I use the example of, of the deer head on the wall as the example of why we're having such a problem with today. May I, may I point this out to you? Men are always on the conquest. There are certain things that men enjoy about themselves. There are certain things that men want in their society, in their life. And just maybe they have convinced themselves that I want to have this and then I'll have this and I'll have this. And so they find a woman and they think, I want this wife. But look at the woman that you, you're married to. Is she beautiful? And the answer is absolutely. I don't care what age she is, a woman is still beautiful. And men, it's our responsibilities to tell the woman regularly how beautiful she is and mean it. The second thing is, men, also take care of yourselves. You know, it, it, you know, one of the things that my brother Greg made a statement is, is how much, how little he weighed as he got older. 
Well, I remember when we were younger. He probably weighs as much now as he did when he was in high school. Me, I kind of added a little bit of weight and lost weight and added weight and lost weight. But if I am not appealing to my wife, I've opened the door wide open for someone else to creep in. And yet somehow we want to shoulder the blame on the woman. Do you realize when we go back in and we read the book of Esther, what do we find? Here was a Hazarius, he was drunk as a skunk, and he said, Bring in her right mind is going to appeal to a bunch of other drunken princes and kings. It didn't happen. And so guess what? All these men, all these wise men said, well, you But the reality is, a woman should always be our queen. Do you realize the Bible says, how many, how many of you have ever heard this statement? I'm the head of the family, but she's the neck that turns the head. That's not true. She's the crown on your head, according to the book of Proverbs. And if your crown is dingy, you did it. Men, you did it to your wives. If your crown is brilliant, you did that too. No TV will ever be able to bring that in. No radio will ever be able to bring that in. No music will ever be able to bring that in. A woman wants a man that she can trust, that she can have relationships with. And it's up to a man to do that. And not only that, but to support her while there's children being raised. I love it when my children were younger and they would want to do this, that, and the other. It's also a demise that I also see so many people move away from the truth. Eve also made this statement. I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, and I want you to look at verse 1. And Adam knew his wife, knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. This is the heart of a mother in the first realm. But I want you to get this. She was not thinking only that I have now got a man-child. She was also thinking that this was going to be the Redeemer. How do I know that? Let's turn with, if you will, back to Genesis chapter 3, and let's go down to verse 15 and 16. In verse 15 it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. And to the woman he said, I will greatly multiply uh, thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shall thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband and over thee. The reality is, is when you bring forth children, they have a chance to be godly. And it's going to be up to you to teach them. I remember the moment that I was saved, one of the first people that congratulated me into the kingdom of God was my own mother and father. How many of you all remember the day you were saved? And when you were saved, how many of you all were welcomed into the kingdom of God by your mother and your father? Isn't that special? I remember I was pastoring in California, I think, at the time. And I was 
teaching a Sunday school class. And I got a special phone call. And they said, Brother Prater, there's someone on the phone for you. And I went to my office and I picked up the phone and it was Dennis. They had had a special service right here to welcome the new pastor. And his wife, who was not saved, was sitting right next to him, Sister Kristen. And the statement that was made is all the church members came in and they shook hands and they greeted Brother John into the, the congregation as their new pastor. Kristen said, I've got to go forward. And I think it was so funny that Dennis said, no, honey, that's not why we go. No, you don't understand. No, honey, you don't understand. Finally, with, before they went to blow, Kristen said, I just got saved. I've got to go forward. And Dennis announced that to me. And I was rejoicing because the news was that Christian was now saved. Later on, Kennedy was saved. And others in our own congregations. And we're praying right now. Every mother that is of any sort does not want their children following after their sins, but they want to show Christ in a very living and real way. Here, Eve looked at Cain and said, I have gotten a man, but I wonder how long it was before she realized that this Cain was not the Redeemer. Later on, we find that she also had Abel. And maybe she saw something good in Abel, but she saw something wicked in Cain. Maybe there was that, that desire in with kids. And instead of being redirected in their attention, they will turn around and say, Now that's all right, honey. We understand. No, you don't understand. A child will always follow after wickedness. And it's up to us as parents to drive the wickedness from them. That's why spanking is all right. Go read the book of Proverbs. I've had so many people say, there's no instruction book on how to raise children. Well, you've never read the Bible. Because the book of Proverbs is a great example. But then... We find the wickedness, and, and, and I don't, and again, I'm going to try to not mix these up, but I know I will. Do you realize that Eve realized, and she was the first woman to receive one of her own in death? Can you imagine, as she held Abel's bloody body and realized her son was taken from her? In one fell swoop, not only had Cain killed his brother, but he had also robbed her of one of her daughters. And he had also robbed her of a son. In one fell swoop, the, the anger of... Now... And she had to keep on going. And what was amazing is when we go in and we study the and I want you to see this. Go to Genesis 5. 
And in verse 3 it says, And Adam lived 130 years and began to send in his likeness after his image and called his name Seth. 130 years after being created. Now I don't know when, how old he was when Cain was born or Abel. We're not even being, we're not even shown that. But now we have Seth. Now I want you to back up to chapter 4 and look how important Seth is in the example. And Adam knew his wife again. And she bare a son. And she, and called his name Seth, for God said she. God said she. God said she. Hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Now I don't know how many sons and daughters they had. We're not given, we're not privy to that information. But do you realize how important Seth was in the relationship? Now as she held this baby and she called him Seth, she goes, I have now received my own. This is the replacement child and I will do everything in my power not only to be a mother to him, but to direct him in the of being a man of God. Let me tell you something about motherhood. Men will teach other men, and I saw many godly examples of my own father. But the greatest example of what it was like to be a man before God occurs with the mother. I've had women say, he acts just like his dad. You are teaching him to be just like his dad. I want you to get that. And the reality is, is that if we are to stand our ground in holiness, then it's the precious mother that sits down with the Bible and begins to teach the children. I was thinking about this this week. My mom loved music. You remember that, Janice? The first song that my mother ever taught me was Thank You, Lord. Remember? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free. That was the first song my mother ever taught me. And I don't know if she was, I can't remember if she was already a believer at that time or wanting to know more about Christ. I just don't know. I do remember the day she was saved. I remember the first, the day that she and my dad both went before the church and said, the Lord has blessed us and we are now his. I remember that. And I remember when they submitted to baptism. I remember that. And I remember never missing a day in the house of God. I remember that. There was a completion in our family. While this sermon may not be exactly what we would expect, remember this. Our God never fails. And the woman, I want you to get this, you are a mother of every degree.
In fact, one of the women never had children that became very close to me. And her name is Carla. Carla Heisel. And I remember Carla being right next to us, living with us. And many times I would go talk to Tom and Carla, but I loved talking to Carla. Because she was always there as a mother type to me as well. And if you don't know Carla, she's still living. Praise God, she is. And she's just as precious now as she was then. I want to say again, Happy Mother's Day. And I hope that this is just the best day for all of our mothers. Let's bow in a closing word of prayer. Father, again, I want to thank you for your mercies and your truth. Now, Lord, as the word has been delivered, I pray that it may have its place, that we might find the responsibility of motherhood, but also to be joyful in the things that you give. So guide and bless us, watch over us. Thank you again for godly mothers. May they make a difference in this world. In all that we say and all that we do, in Christ we pray. Amen. Brother Greg, if you will, give us a final song.